Welcome to Godzilla Media. It might be your first time listening to a Godzilla Media podcast, so to find out more, check out GodzillaMedia.com. G-O-Z-I-L-L-A Media.com. If you're a business, a coach, an aspiring media member looking to start your career, looking to promote your brand, your network, and more, we want to talk to you. For more information on how you can launch a show and join the team at Godzilla Media, email me, G-O-Z at GodzillaMedia.com. Before we get into this episode of Getting There with Goss, we want to tell you about the partners, the people that make this podcast possible, like Lily and David Fine Jewelers, located at their new location, the Shops of Wilton. When I moved out here to the Capital Region from Central New York, I knew my life was going to change. I knew that girlfriend is going to become a fiance, wife, and now mom to my kid. Guess where it all started? Lily and David Fine Jewelers for that first step of buying the engagement ring. I walked in all sweaty, nervous. Could I afford it? What did she want? How did it? Don't worry. A family-owned and operated business, Alyssa, David, the entire crew there want to work with you to find exactly what she wants. Wherever you're listening here across upstate New York, it is worth the drive to Wilton to have somebody like Lily and David on your side for one of the biggest purchases of your life. Now, some of you might have already bought your engagement ring. Make sure to stop in for the two-for-one wedding band sale. When you're saving for your wedding, those dollars start to add up. Find that great wedding band that you both love at Lily and David Fine Jewelers at the Shops of Wilton. And even if it's an anniversary, a holiday, maybe a birthday, whatever it might be, find that perfect piece of jewelry for her. Some of you still might not know what that is, and that's okay. Her style, her fashion, and more, they'll work with you to find exactly what she's looking for. Take it from me, I know from experience. The engagement ring, the wedding band, holiday gifts, and more, it all happens. At Lily and David Fine Jewelers, their spot, the shops of Wilton off of Route 50 in Saratoga, and when you stop in, tell me you heard about Gaza's story from right here on Gonzalo Media. And our friend Jared Lozier from Northeastern Insurance. Some of you have been looking at your taxes. You've been looking at the price and wondering, oh, man, is there a way I can save some cash here in 2022? Yes, by calling Jared today, 518-956-3753. Wherever you want to have it happen, for you, whether it's your car, your home, your small business, where you can save for that insurance policy. Some of you just let it run and don't realize there's better quotes and numbers out there for you. It adds up at the end of the year. Let Jared shop the market for you. His email, J-A-R-E-D-L at N-E-Mail.com. Free quote today. Just send him an email. Hey, Jared, heard you on getting there with guys. Want to save some cash this year? Want to support a guy who's a big sports fan? He loves the Colts. He's a Duke basketball fan. Don't hold that against him. All right. J-A-R-E-D-L at nemail.com. Always going out supporting our events. We appreciate his partnership on Godzilla Media. Great guy to help you save some cash in 2022. You're one call and one email away from saving money. Simple and easy as that. Free quote today. One more time on that number. If you want to text him, call him 518 956 Three seven five three, and we'll give the email one more time too. J A R E D L at N E Mail dot com. Jared Lozier, Northeastern Insurance. Now, let's get into this week's episode. Getting there with Goss. Another edition here of Getting There with Gods, where we talk about the career journeys of athletes, coaches, business owners, media members from upstate New York. It's a little reunion here. 
My guy, Mike Lindsley, joins us here. Uh, Mike, a younger version of you, six, seven, eight years old. For those who may not be familiar with you, take us back. Where'd you grow up? What did you want to be as a kid? Same dream job when you were 18? Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me. It's great to to reconnect. Um, I was hoping this would be audio only so I didn't have to look at you the whole time. But um, <laughs> from the beginning, I mean, you know, if, if, you, if, if I were to give you the contact information of my first grade teacher, or my kindergarten teacher, or, you know, my second or third grade teacher, or my eighth grade teacher, or my 10th grade teacher in any walk of subject, um, they would tell you, yeah, I'm not surprised he's doing this right now. And, and, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, me growing up in central New York, you know, when you're a little kid and you are a sports fan and you grow up with the Syracuse Orange Men, and yes, at that time they were the Orange Men and I still wish they were, um, you, you grow up with, with the culture of the basketball and the football teams and lacrosse and every single kid who's young, who loves sports, they get engrossed in that immediately. And every single day you're asking your dad, Hey, can we go to the game? Can we go to the game? So I grew up with 30,000 plus in the carrier dome with the blue curtain and the football field where they actually kept the football field the way it is. Um, Georgetown, Villanova, St. John's, UConn, all these schools coming into the dome and then the football side of it they were actually really good one you know i know some people can't understand that but they were really really good i mean when i was eight years old guys they went undefeated for god's sakes you know i was a don mcpherson guy um and now fast forward to 2022 and and i'm 42 and i have mcpherson's number i have him on my shows all the time um you know i connected with floyd little for a while and i have such a deep appreciation for football history so it it, it began with that obviously and then i started falling in love with the yankees my dad's a big yankee fan his mother was a huge yankee fan and and, and his dad as well i never met my grandfathers but um you know i'm named after my dad's dad uh, michael gordon lindsley so um you know i just started getting into all of it and then i started falling in love with the bills jim kelly was there and it all just kind of rolled into one i used to call you know a local radio shows when i was a little kid and and, and get on and <laughs> probably say stupid stuff, but, um, you know, and then I got actually to be pen pals with Dick McPherson, the legendary Syracuse head coach. And then fast forward years later, and I used to see him every you know game in the press box. Um, you know, I, I told him on a show that I would blow out a candle, um, and, and make a wish for him, um, for, for victory. And I mailed him the candle and he kept sending me team photos and autograph cards and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, you know, I was a geek and I was a, I was a, a, a junkie with this stuff right from the beginning. Um, probably passed my 10th grade Regents exam in English because I wrote about Mickey Mantle. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Um, I, I, I had no idea what I was going to do. The teacher was a complete bitch and I had no idea. I really had no idea how I was going to pass this thing. And I remember walking in a few days later with a couple of buddies and she looked at one kid and said, you passed, did really well and gave the grade. And then the other one, you know, you, you, you were pretty solid and she was never happy with anything. So, you know, if she told you that you were a piece of shit, hey, you're, you're gold. Um, and then she gets to me and she goes, yeah, you, you know an awful lot about Mickey Mantle, but you passed. So, you know, all that started and, and it just goes into, you know, we all started as a fan somehow. And then, you know, and then, um, and I'm sure we're going to get to the rest of it, but then, you know, you actually make a decision if you want to go into this business. And I did. Yeah. Let's talk about that first step in that decision. It's where you go to college. You do decide to go to college. 
Uh, tell us why you decided on St. Bonaventure. There's the, look at that. There's the alma mater right there. I knew why? you were going to ask me about this, so I wore the hat. And as we record this, they have an NIT game tonight, so I had to put it on. Perfect. There we go. So why St. Bonaventure and what types of experience did you get while you were a student there? You know, Bona is a really special place. I, I have to first tell you this, and this might come as a surprise to you or anybody who's listening to this, but I hated my freshman year at St. Bonaventure. I was dealing with some things at home. It had nothing, well, it did have a few things to do with the school. Um, I was dealing with some personal stuff at home. My parents, you know, were going through a divorce and, um, you know, I was dealing with some stuff at school. I didn't like the curriculum. They, they were forcing some theology down our throats. I was in a triple in a dorm room. So I was sleeping like this. And if I woke up quick, I'd bang my nose on the freaking springboard because it was a triple. I mean, it was, Ooh. it was hell. Right. So I, but I got through, I battled through and, and I've never been, I, I wasn't, you know, brought up to be a quitter. Um, my parents installed, you know, hard work into me from the very get go. And I said, okay, I talked it over with my mom. I talked it over with some other people. I said, I'm going to go back there. And then I, you know, the rest is history. I had a great time. I chose St. Bonaventure for, for a couple of reasons. One, I wanted to get on the air right away. And I had known about the school, Tom, but I didn't really know, know about the school from the journalism standpoint. And I'm obviously um, a, a little, quite, not as much anymore, but I, I used to be a, a musician on a daily basis. I used to be a trombone player. I've picked up guitar a little bit here and there the last six, seven years, but not, not enough to be really, really good. But I did everything in, in music. I, I was a trombone player in concert bands, you know, the wind ensemble, jazz band, won a state title in the Carrier Dome. I, I, I was a big music guy. My mom's a music teacher. She has been for, you know, 40 plus years. And in that wind ensemble, a guy by the name of Shane Lacey, a very dear friend of mine to this day, we we're sitting there talking our senior year about, uh, or it might have been late junior, one or the other. And he said, what are you thinking about school? And he was already committed to Bonnie. He was already going there to swim. And he said, you know, you should really look into St. Bonaventure. He goes, I know it's, you know, Ithaca. And, da, da, da. and I said, well, I'm not going to Ithaca. My sister went there. I'm not going to OCC because I don't want to stay at home. Um, SU, who knows if I can, you know, get in or whatever. And, and it turns out I, I didn't get into Newhouse, but I got into the school. And he said, you might want to look into it. Because he goes, because I met a lot of people who, you know, can get on. There, there's this campus radio station. So I looked into it a little bit more. And I went to Bonaventure. And sure as it's, you know, sure as you know what stinks, we went. I went right in. Um, you know, uh, got right on the sports staff. I was doing sports updates and learning the ropes and being around the division one teams a little bit until I really started to take a leap with the station, became sports director. Um, you know, won a, uh, won a, won a semester, uh, director of the year, by the way. So you can't take hey. that away from me. Um, you know, but I just, I just kept going, right. You kept grinding, you're learning, you're networking, you're figuring things out. And I did color commentary for the women's basketball team. And then I eventually went over to TV and I, and I tried a stab at that. Um, you know, I interned a ton in Buffalo for empire sports. I interned a bunch at home in, in central New York when I came home on breaks and uh, Bonaventure was the place for me because I wanted to get on the air right away. I wanted, I, I liked the small school aspect. That was a big thing for me. Um, I mean, listen, my, my first, three years in college, my farthest class was 388 feet. Um, you know, I, I walked out of Devereaux Hall, take a right and boom, Plasman Hall, you know, the journalism building, boom, 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 all the, all the way down the Riley Center, 200 and whatever it was. I counted it one day, 302 feet away, maybe. Um, but you get the point. So, you know, I think that the, the closeness of it, the fact that it was far enough away, but still close to get back if I had to, and getting on campus radio right from the jump were probably the reasons why I ended up deciding to go there.
Awesome stuff. The St. Bonaventure alumni base is awesome. It's people that spread across the country. I want to go back to that internship you mentioned there because it's so important, especially for students who are listening to this, trying to find that internship. I don't think people, especially in the eastern side of upstate New York, understand the monster that was Empire Sports out in oh. Buffalo. Can you kind of like go through that a little bit? Because I think some people don't have the real understanding of that monster you're interning for. So I got... um I was watching them obviously before I went to Bana. And then when I went to Bana, obviously it was on all the time, right? Like your, your, your dorm room, small dorm room TV and empires on all the time. Cause I'm watching the shows. I want to be Howard Simon and I want to be, um, you know, all, all the on-air TV personalities. You know, I, I want to be Howard Simon, uh, uh, Howard Simon and Howard. Uh, there's another Howard that I'm thinking of. Um, I'm blanking on, um, but anyways, all of, oh, I, oh, you know what? Josh Mora, Bob Trimble, those were my guys, the, the on-air TV guys. Um, the other Howard was in production. But, you know, Howard Simon's now been on WGR forever. Um, you know, the TV personalities. And so I was watching this and I was thinking, man, after my sophomore year, I said I'd really, really like to start to, you know, find out if I can get an internship in Buffalo. Because ultimately I want to be in Buffalo. And so you know, or I guess later it was New York or wherever we could get a damn job in this industry. But Buffalo was always a target for me because of my complete and utter devotion for better or many years worse to the Bills and the Sabres. So I ended up getting an internship. I called them, I chased them down and it was unbelievable, guys. I I, I interned there every Friday and every Saturday. I had classes on Fridays, 8.30, 9.30, 10.30, 11.30. I left for Empire, got there by two o'clock. I interned all the way until about nine, nine thirty, ten, and then I got back to campus about you know eleven thirty midnight. Plenty of terrific winter drives, and uh, of course, uh, luckily didn't hit any drunk students on the way through Allegheny as well, because that was uh, you know that 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 was an issue, uh, you know coming home. Um, and I didn't drink in college. I I I had tunnel vision. I was right there. I've caught up since. But, um, you know, uh, the reality really is, though, that that um, Empire was a juggernaut. I mean, they covered, Tom, they covered the, the bills in depth without having the games, but it felt like they did. They were on location all the time. They were the first in Western New York to be the actual, like, sports network of the entire Western New York region. And, and... They carried Sabres games. They were the TV. You know, today it's MSG. It was Empire then. And here's the other big thing. They covered the college scene. So they would come to my campus. They would cover A-10 basketball. So I got to meet the play-by-play -play guys. I met Jack Armstrong. I'm meeting former players. And it was a big freaking deal. So, you know, I, no cell phones back then, right? I mean, I think I got a track phone maybe when I was a junior or senior. So I was home phone. I mean, I'd run. I remember this like it was yesterday. I would run back and I would use my dorm room phone, right? Like a home phone. And I, and I would call my dad and he'd be like, oh, yeah, he's like, bodies. What a win, man. Oh, I can't wait to come down next week. Because he watched on Empire. He lived in Central New York. He was watching the Bonnies on Empire. So they did everything really, really great. Ginger Jeffries, another name that comes to mind. She's now, um, you know, in, in school education and administration. But um, just all of those names brings back uh, uh, a couple of things in the industry. Credibility, um, loyalty, um, and, and just top-notch reporting and getting it right.
Those were things that Empire did really, really well. And they covered the biggest games, the biggest teams at the biggest moments. And, um, you know, the fact that they came down to Bana, you know, it, it was not only fun and it was cool, but uh, especially on, on a Saturday, if it was a basketball game around two o'clock, my car was thanking me because the miles were not going on at that day. So Empire Sports Network was was a freaking juggernaut, man. It really was. It's on the list of things that I wish somebody could make a 30 for 30 of about upstate New York sports. Like that, sh- that alone is on like the list of things that should just have its own documentary about Empire Sports out there and everything else. So uh, St. Bonaventure, as great as things are going for you and the tide shifts and everything's going well. Yep. They do eventually tell you you have to leave campus. You graduate. What is that first professional job you land post-graduation St. Bonaventure, and how'd you end up getting it? Graduating from college is hell because you get done in May. And, and, and let me tell you this. As I was applying for jobs, I was waiting surgery for my ACL and meniscus. My, my, uh, my senior year of, of school at Bona, it was November, just before Thanksgiving, and my buddies and I, we were in the townhouses, and, and we played pickup basketball all the time. And if you could find a night and you got lucky, you'd be able to go play pickup inside the RC. So for us, that was like, oh my, you know, I'm playing pickup. I'm looking up at Bob Lanier's, you know, retired number and the Stith brothers and the red seats, what's going to happen the next home game when we you know, upset somebody and shock the world for the 150th time at the RC. I'm sitting there going, Oh my God, this is so great to play here. So this big guy across the way, he was on the other team. I went up for a rebound. He came down and he kind of came across my eye and, and he, and he really did some damage. And I was like having trouble seeing and blinking and this and that. And I was putting water in there. And I said, man, if I can't go the second trip down the floor, I'm done. Second trip, my buddy Chuck rebounds the ball does a you know kind of roger Staubach hail mary i catch it two dribbles lay up tear my acl so those were on the same night so i drove home crippled and blind um (laughs) when you and then i didn't know about the acl really until march because i was kind of it you know it blows up it goes away and then you're like oh okay maybe this is you know and then it hurts a little bit then you're hollow and then you almost fall on campus you're like something's kind of going on then you let it go then you go home for christmas break and you try to sit indian style open up your presence and your freaking knee hurts you feel like you're 100 years old and so it just kept going and then the family doctor tells me to take celebrex i mean what what is this what am i 92 so um you know all that happened and then um Finally, I got an MRI and, and got the results. And I had surgery. I graduated on Mother's Day, of course, uh, which is when a lot of graduations are. Um, and then I was literally waiting out surgery for about three weeks. Um, I had it in the first week of June. And during that time, I when I was hustling. I mean, I was, I was, um, you know, I was working hard to see you know, what, where, who I could meet and, and how many things I could really send out. Um, the surgery I knew was going to be like a 10, 11, 12 month recovery period. So what happens if I did apply for a job and, and somebody did take a chance on me, would I be able to move? What about the rehab? Um, so all that was kind of happening at the same time, but I just grinded, um, to find any kind of open door. And I'm not lying to you. I applied for probably about 800, 900 jobs, um, and this was back in the day when you couldn't just open up your email, send a link, send to this, send to that, attach a resume and attach two audio files and whatever else, a video or anything. You can do everything electronically today. Back then, you had your cassette tape, you had your mini disc, whatever the hell you had. And you had your resume, you printed everything out, you printed out your reference list, you printed out your cover letter and you applied for the job off of all access or wherever that you found it online. I ended up not getting any of the jobs that I applied for um, 
thank you uh, to the post office, by the way, for all of the, uh, the, the, the envelopes and stamps that you charge me for. My God, I don't even know how much money I spent on applying for jobs. But I will tell you that I did work my way into WHEN 620. It was the sports monster at the time. They carried the Yankees, carried the crunch. I was a big fan of the station already. I had interned for Adam Shine. And Adam had already taken his job down uh, in WFAN and, and eventually Mad Dog Radio and all that. Um, and so I ended up uh, getting in there just part time. I had to produce shows on WSYR Radio on Saturdays and Sundays, 5 a.m. in the morning. I had to get there about 4.30 and I worked until 1 p.m. I mean, I worked all the paid shows and they were brutal for the most part, except for a couple of them. I like Terry's transmission and uh, my guy, Terry, who was the, 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 the plant guy. I like, I like those shows, but man, other than that, whew, it was, it was tough sled and AM radio on weekends, but why did I do it? Because Jim Lurch said, I'll give you Fridays to anchor. You can be our sports anchor on Friday and let's see what you do and we can grow. And then you can co-host a Perry now golf show on Saturday. So I started doing that. And then I grew into my own thing, pinstripe passion on Sundays uh, and then that eventually led to, I was there for a while. And then when they decided that uh, they weren't going to pay me part-time uh, and, and then said that I had to find another sponsor when I didn't really have to, um, I said, oh, I guess I could still kind of do the show. And then they just decided not to carry on with the show. So then I quit. Um, and that was my my end game at WHEN. But at that time, just like we were talking about Empire Sports Network, Tom, the, the sports monster was unbelievable. 620 was a major, major, major station. In fact, in 2003, when I was there in the early going, Syracuse, of course, won the national championship that year. And by the way, we're coming up on the 20-year anniversary uh, of that here pretty soon. Um, my dad and I got tickets to go out to Albany because the regional uh, then was in Albany, back when the, the smaller venues could get regionals. Now you'd never have it in Albany. You, you might have a, you know, a first round, second round, but you'd never have a regional final. You'd never have a, you know, a regional Sweet 16. Um, so my dad and I went out there um, and, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we had a hell of a time. We went to, to the Auburn game. Uh, I think it was 79-78 was the final. Auburn made a three at the buzzer, lost by one. Um, uh, Syracuse was down in, in those games in Albany, right? And they came back. I mean, I remember the double-digit game against Oklahoma State. Carmelo said, come on up, you know, and, <laughs> and, and took them. Um, but what I'm getting at is that when we drove out to the, that game, and I couldn't go to the regional final because I had to actually work back at HEN uh, that Saturday, I listened to WHEN with my dad the entire way. We heard it all the way until we parked it near the Times Union Center. And so – I was, that was when I realized that it, I was on a station that was, was pretty darn big. And, you know, with, with the past people who were there, my guys, Adam Shine, Bob McGilligot, um, you know, just a host of unbelievable talent that was there. Um, that was kind of how I started. And then I just built, 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 worked a million jobs and, and, and just, uh, pedaled, pedaled along, man, you know, and grinded along. Is it fair to say for you, he might be the biggest influence on your style? You know my story. This is my guy too. Like we, this is our guy that we listen to him, his style, how he sets up a show, how he interviews, the monologue, all that stuff. Let's go back a little bit to that internship. And then even though he leaves and you're starting off, was there a competitive side of you? It's like, yo, Adam just left. I know I can do this. Like put me on every single day. There had to be a moment where you're like, give me the opportunity. I, I, I was sitting next to this guy watching him go. Yeah, you know, it's weird. You, you know, at that time, I think sometimes if you're 22 and you come out of school, you, sometimes you think you're better than you really are. Um, 
I felt like I could be on the air. I felt like I could host shows. But even though Adam was gone, see, what happened was Jim Lurch got hired as program director director at both SYR and HEM. And then at that time, also, they had brought in Brent X. And so the shows were already spoken for. Um, I was told maybe some fill-in, which I ended up doing, and I anchored on Fridays. But I was hoping, hey, maybe I can get kind of a weekend gig if the shows are taken, work my way in, show my hard work and my knowledge. Ended up getting connected with Mike Bristol in the high school show on Saturdays as well. So I was just doing a bunch of things at the station for, you know, literally pennies and nickels, of course. Um, and if you worked overtime, by the way, at Clear Channel, you ain't getting that. Um, they, they found a way around that to break the labor laws on that one. Um, but the reality is, you know, I didn't have, there was no opening. Um, so that's why they threw me with, on the golf show with Perry. And then eventually the pinstripe passion show was created. Uh, Jim and I sat down and basically put that together ourselves. Um, so I, I, there wasn't really a spot for me anyway, even, even though I felt like I could probably do it pretty well. Um, at one point we had a guy by the name of Josh Bertaccini there, who was one of the more talented guys I've ever come across in the business. Him and Axe were butted heads a lot um but they did the friday sports connection where he would go on and go yo bro we're gonna have jim Bayheim on bro um you know jersey kids totally you know hey dude bro uh one of those guys and it, it was weird because he was like that but he didn't look like it he kind of looked like a um i don't even know like uh maybe maybe in that fashion but a west coast guy you know there, there's right. a difference between a jersey guy yo bro and a surfer guy you know, in California, yes. yo, bro. But, but that was kind of it, you know, the, the shows were kind of spoken for. And I was, I was just kind of humming along, doing my thing and just hoping for a crack, hoping for a crack, hoping for a crack. And I was there for quite a while, still hoping for that crack. And I was just working part-time while I was working part-time at the crunch. And then I ended up managing a band that actually Mike Bristol was in. And, and, um, and then I worked, I, I substitute taught. I was living at home. I mean, I was carrying five, six jobs at the same time, trying to land the big time gig. If I had gotten full time at WHEN, of course I would have taken it. Um, you know, but the way the industry has gone and now, especially in 2022, as we've seen this thing, you know, that, that was 20 years ago, Tom. And, you know, the sports monster, when you're in the moment, you're living in it and you're, you're, you're at places with Adam interning and then you're on the air you're just kind of going through the, you're just going through it. You know, you're not thinking, well, tomorrow I need full time tomorrow. I got to be this, uh, uh, next year, this, that you're just, you're working along the way, you know, you're working to get to where you need to go. Um, did I feel like I deserved, um, a lot more, uh, probably, I mean, I think a couple of years into it, once I proved myself, um, you know, and, and you make mistakes on the air and, um, you know, there's a lot of competition because, you know, corporate radio knows that Newhouse is right there and there's a lot of talent and they just pluck kids for nothing. And, hey, come intern for us. We don't have to pay them. So I was having to battle with guys like Anish Shroff. You know, I was having to battle with some of those guys eventually. Um, and Anish took a lot of my hours too, that bastard. But, you know. <laughs> you guys are buddies though, which is good. <laughs> we, we, we are, we are, we are. But, um, you know, I, so it's just, it, it, and I, you know, he does a great job and I love Anish. But the reality is, you know, HEN at that moment was was a big deal. And I was just a part of a team. And I was just feeling really good about, hey, if I grind and I get noticed, it, it'll happen here. It didn't. 
I would have taken a full-time job there, but it ended up not happening. And then, you know, they tried to get me into sales and, and radio uh, on air together because I had sold a little bit part-time and Rick Yakubush and Petty Bombardo were like, you got to sell for us. You're never going to make any money in sports radio. I'm like, hold on, let's just, you know, I'm, I'm only 22. So they gave me a couple offers, nothing really worked out. Um, you know, and then I just kept humming along. And then once they, you know, told me about Pinstripe Passion, I, I bailed, I took off. So hang on a second. So help me through this timeline here, because if you're leaving WHEN and I'm just timeline wise, we're talking mid 2000s, right? Yeah, you're yeah, you're looking at that area. Yeah, probably uh, like I mean, I started there 2002. Um, I did some high school games, too, at HEN. That was another cool thing. I could do some, you know, we did tape delay high school games. We would call them on Friday nights and then air on Saturday mornings. I started doing those a couple of years in, and then more and more people started coming through there. Mike Lissette and East Shroff, probably around like 2006, okay. seven-ish. Maybe I quit six, seven, I think. Um because I also started at a, at a, at a local company um, full-time. I took a full-time sales job at a place called CX Tech. Um, and they're still around and they sell network hardware equipment. And I ended up taking a job there in October of 2007. I had just gotten back from Yankees, Indians, ALDS. That was the, uh, that was the, uh, the, 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 the bullshit, uh, you know, uh, uh, what were they called? The things across the lake there. The the um, come on, Jabba Chamberlain's get eaten yeah, up the, by the, the, the pest midges, midges, yes, right? midges. Yeah, okay. Jabba, that legendary yeah. photo. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, Tory's in the bullpen doing this, and I'm like, right. buddy, that was his worst managing game of, of his career. But um, anyways, uh, I came back from there, took the job with them. I, I can't remember if I was still at HEN or not. Um, at that point, I, I feel like maybe I was. And then I lost the job at CX Tech the following July. I got laid off because of um, they had an, a deal with Cisco where they were trying to do ref, you know, equal to new, where they'd buy refurb in, establish it, and then put a stamp on it that said equal to new and then sell it. And then you'd get a lifetime warranty with it. Well, guess what? That business, they said you couldn't sell those anymore. You can only do our refurb. So I was a part of the cuts because I was also a part of the hire where they ballooned under Bill Pomeroy and all these other guys. Um, and they just kept hiring people. I think I was doing some HEN while I was there at CX Tech. Um, but then it, it, if I wasn't, then it was it, it was right around that time. Uh, if I was, it was soon after that I was done um, and then and then kept going. But I, I think that I was uh, doing some HEN right up into that. It might have even, Tom, been 2008, 2009 when I eventually took another, um, you know, if, as if I didn't learn the first time, but I took another sales job would win it. And I was doing some stuff on the side as well. And then eventually I got to Citadel and then Cumulus and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, the HEN thing was unbelievable. And, and the talent that came through, I'll tell you one other thing about that time period, Liam McHugh, who's now a superstar, uh, host on TNT and he did NBC. Obviously he's covered Olympic Stanley cup finals. I mean, this guy is unbelievable. He's a handsome fellow too. So he's made for TV. Um, unlike you and I, but Liam, <laughs> Liam was a grad student at Syracuse. He had gone to UB for undergrad and then he was interning for ESPN, the magazine. And actually, I was in the HEN studios, and I came flying out of there for one reason or another. I think I had done an update, and somebody needed something, or I had to get the door for a guest. Something was going on. Um, and I walk out, and there's this young guy who's, like, super cool and humble. And he comes up, and he goes, and I said, hey, how are you? And he goes, 
hi, I'm Liam McHugh. And I said, oh, it's nice to meet you. So I met Liam McHugh at HEN when he was looking to do some part-time stuff and intern and all these sorts of things. And now, you know, Liam comes on my shows all the time, but Liam is, you know, he, he was there too. I mean, you think about the people who went through that building between Adam and, 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 uh, Jimmy and Brent and, and, you, and, you know, you Graham at, Bensinger was, might've been there as well. Graham Bensinger was there. I had yeah. to produce his show. He was kind of a difficult cat for a little while, but, uh, a super, super uh, good guy and really talented. Um, I don't know what was going on. There must have been some money flowing in somehow because he was getting on the air right away with all these shows, maybe a paid <laughs> show. Who knows if dad was writing checks? I have no idea. But he would get huge, huge, huge people on his show. I mean, he walked in one day. He goes, here's my show called Nickel Shea. And I was like, oh, I was like, you're like 14 years old and I'm 22 years or whatever I was, 20 yeah, I think I, I think he was there as a student at Syracuse, and I think I was already out of college. So I was I was a I was a part time professional working with Graham, who was a student, who's kind of bossing me around a little bit. And uh, you know, I had to call like Nick Lachey and some of these other guys. So um, yeah, he was there, but just a lot of the talent, right? Like Liam and Anish and Mike Lissette and and all these people who came through there. It, you know what? It's crazy. It feels like a million years ago, but yet it feels like yesterday. I mean, that's just kind of how things work. You know, weddings, birth of a kid, uh, one of your favorite jobs. It, it's just, it, it, it's crazy how fast time goes and it, you, you get both ends of it, you know, in terms of how long it feels uh, like it's been. But yeah. uh, there's a lot of talent that came through HEN, man. There was. For sure. And, th and that's kind of why I brought that timeline because when you leave and then jump to Citadel and then Cumulus, that mid-2000s, basically by 2009, as much as a monster and as much talent there is, it's basically gone by January of 09 because of layoffs and everything else. So what happens there in central New York is that that Citadel Cumulus station, the score 1260 and ESPN a little bit later, Galaxy, like they kind of break off into two, but we start seeing more talent go to Citadel and Cumulus and you enter that spot because of a lot of things you laid out there. But I'm sure I hope there's still some excitement that you're getting back into it. Like there's an opportunity, there's a new start, maybe some familiar names, but this is a second opportunity for you to be like, okay, Maybe it didn't work out at WHN, but at WSKO, the score twelve sixty, everything else. This is a fresh start for me, and maybe something different's on the way. Yeah, I got a weekend job. <clears throat> um, well, I got I got a full time job. I, I was full time there, but the the catch was they wanted me to come in and be a sales guy. So I had to be a sales rep and then be an on air person as well. So I hosted on the weekend, and then eventually things started. You know, Danny Parkins was there with Brent Axe. Uh, so it was like he, Danny had the midday <clears throat> and then Brent had the afternoons and then I was on the weekends and then Danny left and then I slid into um, midday uh, in front of Brent. And then when Brent left, I then slid into the drive home. It was an opportunity for me to have my own show, to do a lot of stuff during the week. Um, it, it kind of really did work out in the beginning because the sales part of it was really my main focus and my main job. And then on the weekend, it was the on-air part. Go to the SU game, talk about it the next day, whatever the case may be. You know, eventually when it became cumulus, <clears throat> those jobs really intertwined with each other. So I would be spending 10 minutes on sales. And the next thing you know, I get an email about somebody, hey, I can come on at 2.30 uh, or I can tape a, a, an interview at 2.30. Now I'm emailing back a guest. Then my phone rings. And it's, you know, the business department asked me a question about it, some, you know, past bill, and I don't want to lose commission. So I got these three things going on. I hang up here, I send the email there, and then I do this, that, and the other thing, go on the air. During, you know, commercials, I'm typing emails and sales. Then I go to the Carrier Dome, 
cover the game, come back, do post game. So it, it, it eventually got into that. But in the beginning, when Dan Austin hired me, that was a great staff at, at Citadel. That was the best sales team I've ever worked with. I mean, Kevin Rich and Nicole Wafer and John Hunt and Mark Owens um, and and all these people and Angela Moonen, who's a dear friend of mine to this day, uh, who's just crushing it right now, running an ad, ad agency and she splits time between New York and Florida. Um, just a, a tremendous human being, my favorite sales boss that I've ever had in radio. Um, and, and Dan was GM there. He hired me. And then a week after he got a job in San Diego, I'm like, buddy, I, he just hired me. And then he leaves. What the hell are you doing? Um, but that was a good, that was a good group. That was, a, that was a fun sales team to work on. And, you know, I, I did okay in the beginning. I mean, I, 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 I sold, uh, I made my buck off of what was called the clubhouse card. Um, I, I, I started that and formulated that. I ended up doing high school games as well. Um, so that was a nice, uh, a nice thing to get going. We could sell that. Um, and, and it just kind of, from there, I just kind of, again, it's funny because if you look at the HEN model and you look at the score model for me as an employee, they're pretty similar. The only difference is the sales aspect at Cumulus and Citadel prior to that was way, 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 way more enhanced. I mean, you know, the Monday, Wednesday meetings, Friday one-on-ones, this and that and the other thing. You have to go to a promo meeting. You have to do this. You have to do that. I didn't have to do any of that at HEN. I was selling part-time, but I really didn't know what the hell I was doing. Um, and maybe later I didn't know what I was doing as well. But the reality is they they both kind of take on the same storyline, right? I mean, you know, getting this gig and grinding, grinding, grinding and picking things up and then something evolves in the building. Then you get moved into the next spot, right? Like HEN went from just the anchor to golf show uh, co-host with anchoring to pinstripe passion. And then, uh, you know, I get hired at Citadel and it's sales during the week and then it's a weekend show and then it's high school games and the weekend show, you know, and then it's getting credentialed places and then it's middays and then it's drive home and then it's more sales, you know, so they kind of mirror each other in a very strange way. Yeah, it's almost, I think you almost underrated and humbly talked about that ascension basically to the afternoon drive because look, you grind it. It felt like an athlete when you're telling that story, right? You come in as a freshman, you got to learn the offense. Then you might redshirt. Then you might play special teams. Then you First might guy in the athlete. room, last one to leave. <laughs> exactly. But that moment for you, look, yeah. the midday stuff aside, because the midday is an awesome opportunity. But to go to afternoon drive in your hometown market for something that you wanted to do, that you had gone to school for, and there you are now hosting. Wasn't there a moment you're like, you know what? I put in all this grind. I know I'm still selling. I know I'm full time, but this is what I've been grinding at. And Here's my moment. I'm hosting after and drive my home market. It, it was rewarding, I think, in the beginning to get the afternoon drive slot because at that point you're kind of more along the lines of a face of a radio station, right? And you're, you're, you know, as, as you know, because you and I were were working together for a while. I, you know, I really pride myself on meeting my listeners. You know, going out and when I'm doing, you know, post games and formulating friendships and understanding and the pulse of the market and the fan base and all that, that, that stuff's really, really important to me. Um, and so I felt like I could do more of that as an afternoon drive host. I feel like I could be more of the personality by the same token. Um, I was a little disappointed because I was hoping that, Hey, these guys are gone now and I'm here can we like, can I just be a full-time on air guy? Like, do you guys not recognize my talent? I don't know how, you know, at that time, I don't know how talented I was, but I felt like I was good enough to be an everyday host and really commit to it to the point where I could deliver, you know, content and organization and develop a staff 
and go to games all the time, right? Be in the public limelight. Go cover all the basketball, all the football, all the lacrosse. Go to 20, 30 baseball games a year. You know, be there, be in all the press boxes, get network, you know, get cards, network the hell out of it, get the best guests in central New York. And frankly, no matter where you are, you should, you should strive to get the best guests, um, you know, because it's content driven. It's, 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 you know, credibility driven. And so while I was pumped on the one side, I was also disappointed because I was like, man, I got to keep selling here and do this home, this drive home show. I'm like the only guy who's doing this right now, guy or girl in the building. Like, you know, Ted Namey weren't doing that. Dave Racina wasn't doing that. And I was looking around, I'm like, wow, this, like, I have to keep selling right now. And so um, in the beginning, it actually benefited me a little bit because I could go and talk about my show more, you know, the middays to afternoon. Now, all of a sudden you're in a wheelhouse, despite the listenership only being, you know, 4,500 to 5,500, um, you know, a week. Um, it was nowhere near, you know, the the the, the hundred and ten thousand a week for ninety three Q or the fifty to sixty thousand QM on ninety five X, um, or eventually the Rebel, which was you know between fifteen and twenty five between the on air uh, and then the online. Um, but it helped me to be able to, you know, as a salesperson, I could go out and and pitch my show in a in a wheelhouse spot, right, in a drive home spot, which is one of the biggest places that people want to be as far as advertisers. Um, you know, you want to be an AM drive. You want to be when people are going to work and coming back from work. Um, not that everybody's on the nine to five schedule, but you get the point. So, um, you know, those, that was a hotbed time to advertise for people uh, on the score and elsewhere. And um, so I, I felt a little a little bit of both sides of the coin, though, Tom, I really did. I'm glad you brought that up because I think some people might look at that and wonder, okay, that might be why the transition happens so fast for you because you take that spot in January of 2014 and by April of 2014, you're off to 104.5, the team in Albany. Mm -hmm. Take us through the story of how you ended up two hours east at the ESPN affiliate. Well, I got wind through the radio stations that the contracts were going to be up for Bruce Jacobs and Brian No, And... Kevin Rich, a very good friend of mine, was at at the stations um, and he told the program director, Stephen Giatari, about me. And he, you know, said, hey, you know, if you're looking for more of a Yankees presence, you might want to look at my buddy in Syracuse. We work together, blah, blah, blah. So, again, all you people out there listening, looking for jobs and you're young and all this stuff. It is it is who, you know, you know, uh, as much as it is what, you know. Right. Um, and, and whatever the relationship might be, you know, good, bad, whatever in between, um, you know, it, it is who, you know. And so I was recommended and I went there on a couple of interviews and then I went to cover the Big East tournament um, in uh, in 2000. It was actually 2013 when I was uh, when I was hired in Albany. And 2013 Big East Tournament, that was the last Big East Tournament for Syracuse, by the way. Uh, epic win over Georgetown. And then they lost in the final Louisville. They just ran out of gas. But I was covering the entire tournament behind the backboard. And I went back to my hotel, which I had to trade out, by the way, of course, um, to, to stay in New York. I had to trade it and sell it and the whole thing, even to just go. Um, and, you know, I got a call from Steve. And he said, hey, how you doing? You know, how's New York? I said, good, good. So we talked a little bit and and he said, so how do you think, you know, the interviews went? And, and I was like, good, you know, very, very, very well. And I, I said, you know, obviously be huge to join the team. And uh, he said, well, he goes, if you want to join the team, he goes, that's why I'm calling. He goes, I'm here to offer you a job. Um, we want to put you into middays. We want to have you do a, a weekly Yankee show. 
We want to have you grow with our sales team and, you know, go out and do live events, uh, live shows on location uh, and all that. So I said, he goes, you know, you can take, I had already said yes in my mind, but then he, you know, he was like, take a night to think about it. Like, I don't need any time to think about this, but okay. And so I called him back the next day and and that was it. And and I got hired and I started on uh, April 1st. Maybe maybe that was the problem that I started April 1st, huh? But, um, and then, uh, you know, uh, got into the capital region and, and was some of the best times of my life. It really, it was a special, special summer. It really was. There's something about that April 1st day. I think we're now up to five different shows in the history of 104.5. The team have started on April 1st, whether that's a strange sign or not. I just, I heard that date go off in my head. I'm like, there's something weird about April 1st and 104.5, the team. But all right, I'm sure you may or may not want to talk about this. I'm sure you're fatigued at this point. So if you want to say, guys, I've talked enough about this. You can say enough. Do we want to talk about the end of it? You tell me. This Godzilla Media Podcast is brought to you by our great partners, Johnstone Supply and Troy. Finally, we get to say spring is here. It's light out. It's warm. The snow is gone. Let's talk about the preseason prices you can get for your furnace, your boiler, and more. Thanks to Johnstone Supply and Troy. Give me a call today, 518-272-5922. 518-272-5922. When you connect, say, hey, I was listening to this Godzilla Media Podcast. I heard guys talking about it. What can you help me with? I know the winter's gone by. I put it. I waited. Now's the time to get the right price and just 2% off. That doesn't sound like a big deal. It is 2% off John Goodman Furnace. Just say it. Get 2% off. That big of a deal for you guys going on 6th Avenue. Troy, by the way, some of you now see the nice warm weather and you're thinking it's time for that summer project, that spring project. You got to get those tools. The best guaranteed prices. Milwaukee tools right there in store at 6th Avenue in Troy. Shout out to George, Tom, the whole crew over at Johnstone Supply in Troy. Wanted to help you make sure your home is safe for the safe homeowner that you are. Furnace, boiler, everything that you need. Make sure you're ready for these warmer months on the way. One more time for the number, 518-272-5922. It is Johnstone Supply in Troy. And our friends over at Mohawk Honda, we've been telling you here throughout the month of March that Mohawk Honda has been putting on the Plate Change Challenge competition between Mohawk Honda and Mohawk Chevrolet, showing off some of the personalities and the fun times that these guys get to have while helping you get yourself into a new ride, whatever it might be. I'll get some Chevy some love on this one, too. I got the Pilot EXL 2022. I know how much I love it. I'm driving it around. Just had a road trip back to Syracuse. No issues at all. Shout out to Cam McKenna, who helped me get a Brian McKenna. Lindsey Heron is a part of that Play Change Challenge. I didn't get to see Greg Johnson compete. He was supposed to be in it. Andy Kelcher over at Chevy. The whole Mohawk family, man. It's awesome building a relationship with those types of people. People that you can trust during the carbine experience. Great things going on here at the end of March, by the way. If you want to donate some of your previously used athletic gear, the Mohawk family is helping out. Especially with March Madness going on. We want to make sure all the great people here in the Capital Region and upstate New York get to participate too. Head over to either Mohawk Chevrolet, Mohawk Honda, Honda in Glenville, I call it Half Moon right over there, Mohawk Chevrolet. That's where you can stop over and drop off your stuff. They always go out of their way to please you. The Mohawk family, get your new ride today. Stop it. I heard about it here on Godzilla Media. Get yourself into a new vehicle. Now, back to this Godzilla Media podcast. Yeah, so, and by the way, there is a reason for that with April 1st, because uh, when you look at corporate budgets, a lot of radio budgets are based, hiring is based on how much money you've made in the first quarter. 
So that's a little secret for everybody. Um, Thank you for sharing that. That's right. <laughs> you're welcome. That's why I'm here. Um, yeah, the end was tough. The end was tough. Um, probably looking back on it was was arguably the worst day of my life. Um, you know, I put that right up along with losing a family member. Uh, it was that it, it hurt that bad. Um, I was a mess. Uh, I cried for days. Uh, it, it was brutal. Um, for those who don't know, and I won't spend tons of time on it, I'll try to condense it down into two or three minutes, which for me is pretty good. Um, I was starting to really make way with the um, baseball alumni group to get former players on, guests on. And because I was hosting the Yankee show, I was obviously going after the obvious names, right? I was going after Tommy John and Chris Chambliss and others. And so I got a hold of the woman because Tommy John had come to Albany to promote his wine. And um, she said, sure. She goes, just email me who you would be interested in. And then I'll forward it over to him and I'll put a good word in for you. And if they're interested, they'll contact you. I said, beautiful. So I got a call. I got an email from Shane Spencer. I was in, uh, I was at Oak Hill covering the PGA championship and I got an email from him on Friday. And he said, hey, I can come on your show Monday, blah, 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 uh, one o'clock, whatever time it was. I said, okay. And so it was 1.30, I remember. So uh, the spot was booked. I followed up with him. I said, sure, no problem. And my producer uh, called, now fast forward to Monday, my producer calls calls Shane Spencer. Now, the studio was, you, you stand here, and then the producer thing is on the other side, but you can see the person through the window. The door shut, obviously. So he calls him, can't get a hold of him, and he comes back out and he says, "Hey, I couldn't get Shane, but I left a message, and I told him to call um, our listener line." And I was like, "Why did you do that? We have a studio line. That's the oh yeah, why well, put that in there too?" So then I didn't know like what number he gave, whatever. I'm like, "All right." So then I got a text message from the clubhouse guy for the Somerset Patriots who said. Hey, I'm with Shane right now. He can't come on your show because we have a double header. Okay, Shane Spencer didn't know that on Friday when he emailed me that he had a double header. I mean, you can do a 130 interview, but yeah. So anyway, whatever. That's the business. I said, no problem. We'll get him next time, blah, blah, blah. So we're coming up against uh, the break. And I simply said something like, you know, I uh, can't get Shane Spencer on today. He's got a doubleheader game. Just was in touch with his clubhouse guy. Uh, coming up next, we'll talk some Giants football. Da, 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 da. You know, it's uh, midday with Mike uh, Lindsley here on the team, 104.5, the team ESPN radio. Next thing you know, the phone rings. And I pick it up. I don't know what, what my producer was doing, but I picked it up. And the person on the other line said, hey, Mike. And it was windy, right? And there was some noise in the background. Hey, Mike, I can do the interview. It's Shane Spencer. And I said, oh, I just texted your clubhouse guy, Gary, and he said that you couldn't come on because of doubleheader. No, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. What am I supposed to do at that point? That's that's the listener line. That's what was given out wrongly. Do I take the call? Do I not take the call? It's not like his voice resonates like, you know, I mean, I don't know his voice like Jim Beheims, you know. I don't know his voice like Derek Jeter. I don't know his voice like whoever, Jim Kelly. Um, so I took the call. I did the interview, and it wasn't him. And so – uh, we had people calling from all over the place. New York, I was ripped on the Yes Network. Not named, but I was ripped on the Yes Network by Ken Singleton. Um, 
you know, I, I, the New York Times, the LA Times, Brent Axe from Syracuse was trying to call and write a story about me. And I wasn't, I, I wasn't allowed to talk about it at all. Um, you know, there was an investigation behind the scenes. So I thought they didn't really, they didn't really follow through with that. Uh, there were a lot of lies thrown around. Um, I was told as this was going on that, you know, hey, don't worry about it. These things happen. It's radio. There's hoaxes. Uh, we're still committed to make you the drive home, by the way, host. I had already been promoted verbally to that gig after Labor Day. The first show was going to be that Tuesday after Labor Day, you know, the last weekend at the track, right? It was like a cute start of the NFL playoff baseball coming up. I mean, what a great time to be the drive home guy in the freaking capital region with everything centering around um, around the area. And so time went on, time went on, time went on. A couple weeks later, I just didn't have a really good vibe. You know, I just didn't feel good about it. Um, I didn't see our general manager uh, much. I didn't really have conversations like I used to with the program director. People were distant to me. Uh, the sales team was normal. Um, and then all of a sudden I got pulled into Steve, Steve Drew Terry, the same guy who called, you know, hired me, uh, SG, we called him. And he, uh, he sat me down. He said, this isn't working out. We're letting you go. And I said, what do you mean? It's not working out. What isn't working out? And I'm like, what did I do? Did I do something wrong? Was there a live event that I was talking at that somebody didn't like how I promoted them? What do you mean? It's not working out. And they wouldn't give me any answers. Just it's not working out. And then I started in with, oh, it's the Shane Spencer thing, right? Because what happened, Tom, and this is the final thing I'll tell you, is that after I did the interview, Spencer called me irate because Derek Jeter called him. Because it was played, that interview was played in the clubhouse at Yankee Stadium because I had brought up steroids. And then he, you know, he started coming in and we're like, oh, Rivera and Jeter, he started like throwing people under the bus. And Jeter called him and said, that's BS. And Shane goes, that wasn't me, blah, blah, blah. So Spencer called me direct. He was irate with me. Um, you know, he wanted he wanted me to, you know, he, he was like, I'm going to come after you. Da, 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 da. And I said, I, I go, buddy, I would be the last person to disparage the Yankees. You have no idea how much I love the Yankees. Um, and, and I want to do right by this. So we ended up getting him on. There was a rain delay against the Angels that night. And it worked out perfectly. We ended up doing the interview inside that. We ended up the next day in Saratoga at the track live where we said, you know, hoaxes have no place in radio, blah, 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 blah. We moved on. I thought for a while that everybody had moved on. That wasn't the case. And then I was just told that it wasn't going to, it wasn't going to work out. And they put the producer and I, and made us a little tag team. Like it was our, our tag team, you know, error. And we both got canned on the same day. Well, thank you for being candid about that. Because August I know 30th, it's, August yeah. 30th. I know it's not stuff you want to go back and remember and everything else, but I think for somebody who might have never heard that story before or might go through that same thing in their career, hopefully they'll benefit from hearing from that story. And just to add to this from the radio side of it, and I know you know this from your career, you could make a laundry list of things that are far worse in this business than what you did that people have oh. not been let go for. Like we could do a series of where this stacks up. The most disappointing part about this, and I'm sure you've heard this before, is that when people initially had your back and when something goes wrong or they don't have your back, it just feels awful because like they said, you're our guy, you're our guy. And then the one thing, something goes poorly. They don't have your back anymore. That's what hurts me where it's like, people are going to make mistakes. Like, look, you get it. You own it. You're a professional. But the fact yeah. that one controversy happened and they didn't have your back, my God, you and I can go through the list of, things that people have done that corporations and companies have had their on-air host back for. But. Well, and not only that, but as time was going on and I was told I was going to be the afternoon drive host and all that, they leaned on me to hire the brand manager. 
I mean, they said, we're not going to bring in a brand manager unless you approve it because you're our drive home guy. You guys are going to have to work together. And I'm like, okay, that's great. Right. And he didn't have any answers for me, you know, on the day that I lost my job. I'm sitting, I'm sitting there, tears are pouring down my face. I'm in the parking lot. You know, I can't even take my stuff home. You know, they won't even let me pack up stuff in my boxes and take it home. I had to go back and get it. Um, you know, and my girlfriend at the time drove me cause I was, I was a mess. I, I, I was struggling so bad. And, and that girlfriend is not my wife. Um, and you know, I, in the parking lot, I, I couldn't get answers from anybody and I would have just loved to have been able to sit down with somebody. And they told me the story. They told me exactly, Hey, we had your back with corporate. We had your back with corporate. They just can't get past this. They want to fire you. It's not our deal or, or, or so-and-so trying to sue or, uh, what I, or, or you know what, you know what, this would have been a very fair result. You know what, Mike, we're going to put you on a one month leave of absence until we get this all squared away. We still want you to be the guy. We still want you to be the drive home guy, but we got a couple of people in corporate. We're, we're trying to work through, keep your phone on. Cause you might have to talk and then we'll go from there. But you know what? I found out, I found the guy who did it at least by first name. I don't know by last name, but I ended up getting the phone number and I called. I was told after the fact, don't do that. But I had gotten the number and he picked up and it was the exact voice. And I was like, you son of a bitch, because you just cost me. And, and by that point, what do you mean? Oh, and he was playing the, you know, the cool card, but he was the prankster. He was Shane Spencer. Um, complete and utter joke of a human being to, to do that to somebody. And, you know, uh, I, I gave that number and I gave information as much as I could to a couple people in house who had connections to investigative reporters. And I was told that they were going to find out exactly who this person was and get to the bottom of it. And we can all move on, but this is not your fault. This is not your fault. This is, I mean, that's what I was told for a couple of weeks and then I got canned. So that part also, uh, needs to be said that they were building the radio station with me as the drive home future host and leaning on me for decision making for who to bring in in the hiring process. And then they fired me. And then to add to that, even though you go through this controversy, even though you go through this incident, not only are you able to come back to Syracuse and host again, but from that, you do host national shows. Like when I first met you, you're hosting on Yahoo! SB Nation, like even though that's a huge roadblock in your career, you are still getting calls from people nationally in between that period of when you go back officially to the score 1260 and that end where you're still filling in nationally, which speaks to your talent, I think. And I, I hope those calls and those opportunities are like, you know what? That's awful. That's something that's going to follow me forever. But I know I can still do this. Like, I know if I get an opportunity, I can still make this a profession. Yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, in fact, as I was, you know, I when I had just lost my job in Albany and I was in my apartment, and I was just, you know, every day. I mean, I went from, you know, every day at three o'clock was the hardest time of the day because I knew that I was supposed to be on the air. Instead, I'm sitting at home in my apartment, pounding out emails and calls, trying to freaking find a job. Um, and lo and behold, I emailed my boy, Gobanas, Adrian Wojnarowski. And Woj emailed me back with a Woj bomb, and he told me that Craig Larson, the PD at Yahoo, has been looking at some different guys and talent, this and that. And you can do it maybe remote. Um, what are your plans, this and that? And I found out that back at the at, at the home stand there, uh, back in the stopping grounds at, at the score and Cumulus, they still have an ISDN line. God 
Oh, I love ISDN lines, man. I mean, can we please just go to those all the time? But, you know, great connections. I mean, how many times have you used them? I've used them, uh, you know, live broadcast, doing games, you name it. And um, I thought to myself, well, you know, if I could use the ISDN line and I could host nationally, I don't really want to come back to Syracuse. I'm kind of done with that company at this point. I think I reached kind of the ceiling. But I got it the national thing. So maybe I can do this, do the national thing, and then keep hustling and then get recognized again and then move out of the area again. So that's what I did. So I moved back and then I hosted for a while, um, you know, on Cumulus and then Yahoo ended up becoming SB nation. And then they kept me there for a little while. And then, um, you know, removed me for programming, different shifting of programming. And then eventually they gave me a show back on Saturdays. And then they pulled that after a couple of shows because they were opening it up to, to sell it. Um, so the finances, again, back to this business, the finances come first, you know, if you're not making enough money, you just get rid of it. That's what people do. Um, so I did those national shows. Yeah. I got a chance to fill in for Steve Saban, you know, in the mornings on Yahoo was one of my favorite talk show hosts I've I've ever listened to. Um, and so, yeah, it it was, it was pretty cool, you know, doing those. I wish it would have lasted longer to be honest with you. So you get this opportunity, you're back in the afternoon drive, the score 1260 starting to add, they added me in the mornings and middays, like it's a little bit more stable i guess i'll say but we're in this weird spot in the history of i think sports talk radio and podcasts where we are starting to see podcasts emerge a little bit unfortunately some of the obstacles that you faced earlier in your tenure at the score and cumulus are still there when you come back when you decided to eventually leave the score for the second time was it a mix of that that just the world was changing that sports radio was changing that take us kind of through that second time where you step away and it feels like there's different variables than time number one yeah, there there were a little bit. Um, I probably would have never have left um, if it wasn't for just the the constant, you know, it's never good enough. You know, everything you do is never good enough. And there were certain people in that building who made life very difficult for me. Um, you know, I, I didn't have an opportunity to uh, use my cell phone during the day because I was, you know, in the basement. Um, and there was no reception. And other things were going on in the building that I, I I was just, the challenges were so, so large and I'm trying to sell. I'm trying to be the on-air guy. I have to go to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, like Friday meetings. Um, I got to book my own guests. I'm trying to run my own staff. I've got meetings on the programming side with my PD. You know, all of those things are going on. I have my station budgets. We have online budgets to hit. I mean, I'm trying to sell Syracuse post games. I'm trying to sell high school sports. I'm the color commentator for high school sports. I'm hosting both post games for football, basketball. Plus, I'm doing the afternoon drive three to six. I mean, I was working the last week of August until the first week of April, especially if SU was making it, you know, it to the final four. Um, I was working 75 to 80 hour a week, seven days a week from the last week of August to the first week of April because there was no other way to do it. I mean, there's no other way to get all the time in. Plus, as you know, if you get back from the Carrier Dome, and you do your post game show. After you get done with your post game show, Twitter is now available. Twitter is now alive. Social media is alive. And guess what? It never ends. The notifications keep coming. Even if you have to deal with a troll here and there, you, you respond because of credibility. You retweet. You're getting into this. You're getting into that. So it was very, very, very different from the first time because the first time I got offered a job. That was it. I got offered a better job in a better market just as an on air guy. Didn't have to sell. Next time around, 
I go back, but I still had basically had the same exact job that I left being both on air and the sales thing. And, you know, a lot of people, there were a lot of changing parts, you know, from, from the uppers, uh, the, the upper management, um, you know, and, uh, certain things weren't seen eye to eye and I had just had enough. I had a final conversation with my wife about, you know, are we, are we staying in central New York? You know, cause you know, I want to move. What are we doing here? And, you know, it was decided that we were going to stay. And I then said, okay, well, I'm quitting my job. She said, what do you want? I said, yeah. I said, I can't, I can't do it anymore. That's just not, it's not working for me every single day is, I mean, I used to drive to work at the end like this, just dreading to go in because I just, I couldn't, every single day was a brick wall ahead of me, you know, and I still loved going on in the air. I still loved the excitement of the post games. I loved all that stuff, but they're just, it, it was just, I, I never was told for the most part that what I was doing was enough. You know, we really value you here. And if it was told, the person really didn't mean it. Um, you know, this is, you mean this to us as an on-air guy, you're a hustler in sales. Even when you have a bad quarter, you know, we still know that you're hustling and trying to do your thing. You know, that's all you want to hear as an employee. You know, when you're a quarterback and you have, you throw three interceptions, you don't get fired. You know, you get an opportunity to go back the next week and try to redeem yourself. And, you know, I just didn't want to put up with that lifestyle anymore um, and, and just get ridiculed on a daily basis. So I took off. But, um, you know, I, I cried the last day. I cried when I did my last show. Um, I remembered, you know, I wanted to follow through the, the football season, and I did. I'm very proud of that, that I did follow through and, and do all the shows and honor the clients and the mentions and the live reads and all that. And uh, it was SUBC on a Saturday. I went to the game. I, I did a post game. I signed off and then I tweeted that I was gone and then I went to the movies at night and I shut my phone off for about four hours and then turned it back on and obviously it almost broke. Um, but, you know, um, it was a sad day for me, but, you know, I, I was prepared to make the, the transition. When that happened, I was both encouraged and discouraged by you. Encouraged because in comparison to other people who have grown up in radio and made that their profession, you knew what you were doing when it came to building a website, building a brand, doing social media. There are so many people you've worked with and I've worked with who are so deeply into radio that they don't touch any of that stuff and understand the value. You are, I would still say, in the minority at that point of, hey, I know there's a bunch of other audience over here that when I eventually step away, I'm going to be okay. But also discouraged, and it kind of leads to this question of, what do you see as the future of upstate New York sports talk radio, whether it's Syracuse, Albany, Rochester, Buffalo, those markets, are you more discouraged than ever before? Or do you see the podcast be like, that's just the change? What are your feelings now years removed from this? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that the future is bright um, for it. I mean, if you think about central New York radio right now, you have barely anything on the former station. You have another sports station. It's a Fox affiliate. That's a part of a radio group that just runs syndication all day long. Um, it's good syndication, but who's the live voice? You know, what, how come you're not going to do something? You know, you need, you need Yankees, Red Sox and markets. You need Carolina Duke. You know, you need Auburn, Alabama, Army, Navy. You need that. Um, and Syracuse doesn't have that anymore. Um, the ESPN radio station has basically been the same. It's the same people all the time. Um, you know, the, the, they have the benefit, obviously, of, of, of Syracuse sports and covering that. And so a lot of the hosts, you know, it's contractually built in that Jerry McNamara has to go on every week and Red Autry has to go on and Jim Beheim And, you know, everybody has to go on every single week. They don't have to work for those interviews. They come to them because the coaches are getting paid to do those interviews. Um, 
you know, and, and they're, they're the main show in town right now because they have the most programming and they carry Syracuse sports, but who's challenging them? You know, what, who, who's the host that is going to go in as a drive home guy and, and basically completely and utterly destroy the two, three zone against, you know, Louisville, if, if it's, if it's needed, um, who's going to go up against Brent's take or who's going to go up against the orange nation take. I just, you know, it's just become stale. It's become a one trick pony here. It's a one show, one, one show, uh, um, situation. And it's, it's very unfortunate because I look at this market and I, I look at it as a place that is a great launching pad for people. Um, I worked with unbelievable talents in this business in my time. Um, you know, but now it's like relegated to one main station, another one that's kind of doing some things that might be given the impression that they're really trying, but they're not. Because if you're really trying, you would have had, you know, you'd have, you'd have two shows on back to back at least. I mean, you'd have, you know, an afternoon drive guy and you'd, you'd have, you know, uh, Jim and, and his group doing his show. Um, you know, you might even have a morning show, but there's not a commitment to sports radio. There's not an understanding to it. And unfortunately, with the group, that I was with and elsewhere, there is a misunderstanding of how to operate sports radio. How, what, what does it take for this to be successful? And it's just really lacking. And as that lacks, you don't have a lot of programming. You know, you don't have Carolina Duke, you don't have Georgetown Syracuse. Um, so it's sad. I don't know if I'm encouraged, um, much, um, I'd love to get back on the air somewhere, somehow uh, in the area. I don't know where that would be, um, but I would love that for, for the future at some point, if it would fit my schedule. Um, that would probably be, I always hold out a small sliver of, of, of hope and, and encouragement in that regard. But other than that, I'm not encouraged. Um, I would be probably more, I think the word is sad. I mean, I think I'm more sad about, you know, what's happened to radio you know, in central New York than I am encouraged or discouraged. No. And I feel that same way, both central New York out here in Albany, what you just said too, like it has just become, I'm sure Rochester Buffalo is a little different, although Buffalo is owned WGR is the flagship for the Sabres and the bills. I think a lot of listeners are going to hear what you just said when it talked about one-sided opinions owned by the teams. And this is no different, you know, you go back to Washington, DC, Daniel Snyder owned a station and we can run through the media people, um, the guy who owned um, Stan Kroenke owned some stations out in Denver. Like there are big time people who own stuff like that. And I hope that's where the podcast and the non-traditional media steps in where it's what you just mentioned of when I turn on the radio, the team's never lost a game. Uh, you know, the, the, the opinions are so one-sided. Hopefully the audience understands, okay, this isn't real. I'm going to go somewhere else to go find it. What I really think is happening to the games and everything else. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm unfortunately discouraged. If I was a kid who was 22 right now, leaving St. Bonaventure or Hobart or Syracuse, I'd try to start my own thing, hope it takes off, maybe find a way to sell and everything like that. I want to get to that advice. But first, uh, tips for a great interview. This is one of my favorite tweets you've ever got when I used to produce your show. Jeff Perlman, Showtime with the Lakers, author, used to tweet you, Mike Lindsley, and compliment you every time, I think in my mind every time, about how great an interviewer you are. You've interviewed thousands of people, maybe tens of thousands. Young student, tips for a great interview. Um, I would say, first of all, know your subject. You know, that's the first thing. If you're getting, you know, a, a former big leaguer on, you know, know the career, know where they've been. Um, 
dip into the research pool. Um, the second piece of advice is ask relatively short questions, depending on what your format as is and let them talk. Um, and then here's the third one. And this one's going to stun you and it's going to stun everybody. Do not have questions written out. And I haven't done an interview with questions written out in probably 20 years. And the reason that I don't do that is because I'm already writing the questions out during the week. I'm already preparing with watching games, reading online articles, on my phone apps, reading, contacting people, following different things, watching and listening to post-game shows, downloading and subscribing and listening to, I don't know, 25 to 30 podcasts a week. That's all preparation so that if I get somebody like an Anthony Castrovin, who I'm going to have on in about 15 minutes after I get done with you, if I have him on for Major League Baseball, I know right away I'm going Yankees offseason, Trevor Story to Boston, Freddie Freeman's a Dodger, Matt Olson's a Brave, the lockout's over with, baseball's starting soon, are we in trouble with the analytics still? Um, you know, I'm going right into that. I got eight right here. I got eight or nine. And then you know what happens? Here's the last piece of advice for a great interview. Be a good listener, because if you don't have the question sheet out, but you've got it up here, it becomes more of a conversation. And as you ask good questions within a good conversation, what happens? They talk more and it creates more questions for you to ask. I'm so glad you offered those last two. I learned that one about not writing out questions from you. And I remember coming out to 104.5, the team, it might have been LeVac. He said, where are the questions? I said, questions for what? He goes, the interview. And then my, my I, like, eyes bugged out. I'm like, what are you doing? What do you mean you're writing stuff? To, and I learned that from you. And it's a great piece of advice. Seriously. And that last part of listening, all that good stuff, man. I will let you go. I know you're busy. You got an interview coming up here with Anthony coming up. But best advice for maybe a young state Bonaventure student, upstate New York student, to go to the spot, to get there where Mike Lindsay, he's done it all. He's talked to everybody. He's in the non-traditional media format now. Best advice for young students, aspiring broadcasters. I would say in no particular order, grind, grind, grind right? Work your tail off. Number two, say no to nothing. Somebody wants you to go part-time and they're going to pay you 40 bucks for six hours of work and you're 22 years old, but you're going to get great experience. Go do it, right? Um, network, network the heck out of yourself. Hand out business cards, talk to people, shake hands, um, you know, uh, uh, send follow-up emails constantly, thank people constantly. Um, you're going to run into a lot of, a lot of brick walls, Bridges will be burned uh, by either you or the other side. I've burned bridges. I have. Uh, I'll admit it. Um, sometimes I didn't burn a bridge, though, because there wasn't a bridge to, to you know, that was there in the first place. Um, you know, but but that's a big one. You know, network. I would say grind, network, um, say no to nothing. And and I would also say, you know, you, you had mentioned if you're a 22-year-old, right, Um and how terrified you would be going into the business. I actually maybe would be excited now about the business. And here's why, because I think a 22 year old Mike Lindsley, and I just talked to a journalism class about this at Bonaventure. I think I'd still decide to go to school. I think I'd still decide to go to journalism, but with this modern media, I would blend the two together. When I'm a high school sophomore, folks, don't wait until you're in college. If you're 17 years old and you know that you want to be a play-by-play -play broadcaster, Start your podcast now, your YouTube, your Twitter, Facebook. You know what? You're going to go out there. You're going to have a lot of reps. You're going to sound like shit. Everybody does. I sounded like shit. I probably still sound like shit. But the reality is 
do it. Okay. And, and the last piece of advice that I would tell these young broadcasters is while you're doing it, do it all the time. Reps. The more you talk, the better you get, you know? And, and another thing is to read, 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 read articles, books, biographies, uh, watch specials on television, all of that stuff. You, you take it in and you, you're a sponge with all of that information. And then you also can, can write probably. Right. So if you, if you write, well, uh, the more you write, the better you talk, the more you talk, the better you read, the more you read, the better you talk. They're all linked in here. So I would say those would be the big things, you know, grind network, say no to nothing. Um, you know, blend the media's to media together. Um, and, and, and for sure, um, you know, commit to commit to reading and commit to the craft. Those, those would be the things I'd tell people. Thank you for doing this, my friend. This has been awesome. Truly one of my favorite interviews, even though I've worked with you, I didn't know some of these stories, uh, all your stuff, Mike L sports, social media, check it out. We're going to tag it right here in our description, both visual and audio side. I feel like I just went to class. I want Mike Lindsley not to continue to just do his podcast. And he's crushing it online, pinstripe passion and more. I've told you this, this podcast is about teaching people and getting people. I want you as a professor at Bonaventure somewhere else. I would sit in a class and listen to Mike Lindsley teach and tell stories all day long about the people that you've worked with, the people you've interviewed. So maybe who knows, maybe in the future, I'll be sitting in one of the back of your classes and listening to your podcast at the same time. Yeah. Well, right now I would definitely be a part-time professor, but they'd have to allow me to bring my daughter in so I could change her diapers all the time. But <laughs> you know, the, the reality is, and, and she's such a great kid. I've just, I've enjoyed being a father so much. Um, but you know, I, I, am a son of two teachers, you know, and I substitute taught for a while. And I threw around the idea of maybe, uh, maybe I'll go to grad school and just teach at this point because the frustration was really settling in with, you know, not getting a journalism job. And, um, you know, so teaching is, is kind of been over here a little bit. Um, so, you know, I, I'd be open to it for sure. I, I've, I've contacted Bonas and the dean knows. I finally met the dean there, Aaron Schimble, who's just killing it, doing an unbelievable job. Um, you know, I told him, hey, if there's anything that I can do that's, you know, part time, I can be remote, maybe go to campus once in a blue. Um, let me know. I'd love to be able to help because. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm helping students right now. I mean, I've got people contacting me left and right. I'm working on a, a couple internships for a couple students right now. Um, all that's on my free time. Um, so, you know, uh, if you're a Bonnie, you're a Bonnie for life and, and you network with, with those people forever. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been an interesting ride, Tom, and a fun ride. Um, and I appreciate you having me on, uh, and I wish you well in this new world as well. Even though I'm not a Bonnie, I consider myself one of your students learning from you, my friend. Keep crushing it. So happy to have you. Looking forward to talking again soon. And maybe some beers at Saratoga this summer, finally, hopefully. Boy, I'll tell you what, Saratoga is one of the greatest places on earth. And uh, I never, ever, ever want to turn. I just got to get permission to go. But okay. I, I just, I never, <laughs> ever, ever would turn down a trip to Saratoga. That place is absolutely spectacular. All right. Goodbye, my friend. Talk again soon. Thanks, Tom.